Jabari. Got to get it in. Does to Smith. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! He got it. Welcome into the Rockets Fuel Podcast. We are here to fuel your Rockets news. I am your co-host, LaShar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. You can always find my written work at SB Nation or the Dream Shake. I'm a credential uh, reporter for the Rockets and also the RGV Vipers, which is a G League affiliate of the Rockets. And of course, before we introduce our special guest, I want to give my co-host a chance to introduce himself. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Vader. You can find me on um, Twitter at Vader H-Town and also on Instagram. Follow me for uh, Rockets, Texans, and Astros-related news. And, of course, as you see, we have a very special guest today. You know, it is draft season, uh, another year where the Rockets are near the top of the draft, and we like to get as many great guests on as we can to give you information because, of course, we're not draft experts ourselves, so we like to bring on draft experts to give their opinions so you know exactly what's going on before the draft that's dropping next week, uh, Thursday, June 22nd. So before we get into the show, I want to give our special guest a chance to introduce himself and to let you know where you can find all his great content. Yeah, my name is Rafael Barlow. I am the director of scouting at NBA Big Board. I also have a NBA Draft Junkies website. And then I have a podcast that covers the draft five days a week. It's locked on. Uh, it's, it's, the NBA, it's locked on NBA Big Board. So it's the NBA Big Board podcast on the Locked On Network. So if you like draft content, uh, you get about seven or eight forms of content from me in, in a week. Yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely why I want to bring you up because, I mean, you follow the draft all year, not just, you know, during after the offseason like most of us do. That's definitely why I want to bring you on. But before we get to into the Rockets part of the draft, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, Draft Junkies, something that you actually founded. I was listening to some of your uh, recent podcasts, and you said the reason why you started because you wanted to give other people, you know, just starting off in the business a chance to actually get there their feet in the door and, you know, get experience actually writing. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, finding, you know, you know, founding uh, NBA Draft Junkie and kind of what you, you know, trying to achieve by, you know, starting that site? Yeah, so originally it wasn't to help other people out. It was to help myself out. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I want to say 20, I started in 2016. And once Draft Express moved over to ESPN, I saw that there was a gap in, in draft content as far as videos. Yeah. So that's when I started it. And I just was, I knew how to create my own video content. I had a Synergy account. And so I was making video breakdowns and so on. I did that up until about last year. And that's when Chad Ford, a guy that is kind of a pioneer in the draft space, asked me that I want to take over his NBA Big Board newsletter and mentioned that, you know, by it being behind the paywall and subscription base, it could add a little bit of money to my account. Yeah. And so I did I did that. I mean, it was a good opportunity. It gave me access to different different people just because of, you know, Chad's name or whatever. And then instead of just shutting NBA Draft Junkies down, I just wanted to use it as like a, a platform for guys that, that want to write or, or they yeah. can do video stuff to get their name out there. You know, it's a lot of people that want to do draft content, but a lot of people don't want to start from scratch. Yeah. Now, there's a part of me that feels like you have to start from scratch in a sense. You got to build your name out. You can't necessarily have someone hold your hands or co-sign you, but you got to do the work first. And then maybe from there you'll, you'll get on, but I still wanted to just give guys a different 
platform. And then let's just be real. There's not a lot of people that look like us in, in this exactly. draft space, in this yeah. media space. And so um, if, if it can, you know, launch the next minority podcast host or, or, or writer, then, I mean, that, that would be like the ideal situation. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Because like you said, <clears throat> it's not a lot of people that look like us just in the sports landscape, especially journalism, media, however you want to put it. So, man, it's definitely a good thing that you're doing, trying to help other people and, you know, bring up other people as you continue to blow up yourself because you've definitely been blowing up. I mean, I've been seeing your name kind of everywhere lately, uh, especially uh, once yeah. the offseason yeah. kicked in. <laughs> yeah, I kind of got aggregated on NBA <laughs> yeah. Central and – haven't even been able to check my Twitter for like the last three days. I mean, it's just been like millions of retweets and, and yeah. but... I'm guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> I, I've, uh, I've aggregated and retweeted a lot of your uh, stuff that you've uh, put out there recently. Like 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 uh, Lashar said, you really doing like a great job, man. So we we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I got aggregated with the Rockets. It said the Rockets were interested in Zion. It's not exactly what I wrote, but that's how it <laughs> yeah. got. It came out and that's been going crazy. Oh, but the jokes okay. are funny. The, the okay. jokes have have been pretty funny. But because um, I've yeah, had a few people give funny. me like questions, they like, "Hey man, ask them, ask them, uh, <laughs> like what what would the package look like and stuff like that." So, uh, yeah, I've I've had several people like because they knew uh, we were you were coming on today, and that's what that's one of the things they they wanted me to ask you was. Uh, like if the Rockets were to try to trade for Zion Williamson, what a Zion package would have to look like? And honestly, I don't know. And when I wrote the article, I talked about it was right after the news that the the Pelicans may be interested in moving Zion to for for number two. And I had when I wrote in the article was that a friend of mine that that is an, an agent and he's very 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 well connected. And he said that Houston is in there. They have the potential to pick up whatever disgruntled star is available because they have so much cap room. And he threw out some names. And one of the names he mentioned is like, you know, if it's a Zion or somebody that wants to get out, Houston has the assets and the cap space to to get him. And I wrote that I thought it was absurd at the time. And this was maybe like, I guess, two weeks ago now. And then. Yeah. I mean, what, a few days ago, it came out that it is a possibility. And so there it turned into the Rockets have interest in, in Zion. But I never yeah. said that the Rockets have have interest in Zion. He just said he mentioned that because it's like $60 million in cap space. And then another name that he mentioned was it could be like the Donovan Mitchell situation last year where, you know, he kind of asked out and then Cleveland had the young assets and picks to make it happen. And so that was how it turned in. But I never said that the Rockets, <laughs> uh, you know, are going after Zion. But I can't imagine. It'll be tough because, you know, they're so high on, on, on Jabari. But at the yeah. same time, if Zion is available and you believe that you can get him right, <laughs> you might have to really like kick the tires on that one. Um, let me ask you this specifically. Let me ask you this specifically because this was kind of like a uh, uh, this kind of blew up a day or two ago, and uh, like uh, somebody who, who's uh, pretty popular on on Rockets Twitter said that they would not trade Alperen Shingun for uh, Zion <laughs> Williamson, and it um it, it became like a huge thing. Yeah. Like people uh, were quote tweeting and saying like that was ridiculous, and 
you know, why, you know, that you trade uh, Alfred Shingoon 10 times out of 10 if you can get a Zion back. Um, and, and I think that the biggest issue was just his availability. Like, if you look at the amount of games that he's played uh, since his rookie season, like, it's, <clears throat> it's very Greg Odenish. Like, and I hate to throw that out there because we know how the Greg Oden story ended. But, um, like, Zion Williamson has not played very many more games than Greg Oden did in, in, in the same amount of uh, years that he's been in the NBA. So, if you were the Houston Rockets and 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 New Orleans was like, hey, uh, give us number four and give us Alperen Shangoon for Zion Williamson, would you make that trade? It's not going to be popular. I don't think I would do it. Oh. I just don't trust Zion's body, yeah. and and I don't want to bat bash the kid, but like even when I was watching him prior to the injuries, the way he walked, like his gait was was off, and you just wonder like. Is one leg longer than the other, which ended up being like what they found out was wrong with Odin. Like one leg was yeah. a little longer than the other, uh, which you know obviously can lead to you know some some major issues. I don't know. I mean, the talent is undeniable. When he plays, he's very productive. But there are some signs of like, all right, the conditioning, the you know, the the amount of games that he plays, are his injuries related to the conditioning and then, you know, just all the stuff that is coming out now about, you know, his off the court lifestyle. And, and then you got to figure, you know, I mean, we can be real here. Houston is Houston. Extracurricular activities going on. In Houston. And, and the food is good. Like uh, there's very, very uh, pretty women here and, and the food is delicious. So it's like a bad, bad combination. It's like uh, Zion's ultimate kryptonite, you would think uh, respectfully. Yeah, and I mean, I I I have friends that are NBA players, and they spend a lot of money in Houston, and, yeah, and, and so, um, so I mean, you really have to factor that in because I, I think with with so many guys coming out, they're they're younger and younger every year. There's yeah. certain cities that even when you draft them or bring them in, you have to really think about all right, can this kid handle living in this city with all this free time and power and money and access and can they stay focused and I think Houston is one of those cities whether it's Dallas Houston Miami LA New York throw DC in that mix there's certain cities where I think you have to just really really focus on the the maturity level because there's a lot of distractions I mean there's distractions everywhere but yeah. And some of the, the distractions are a little bit greater than the others. And then on the flip side is if I'm a Rockets fan and I see what Nikola Jokic has done and I look at Shingun, and I'm not saying Shingun is going to be like a two-time MVP, but if he's 75% of Jokic, he's going to be really good. I mean, he's low maintenance. He's a high character guy. I mean, we saw the reports that he's growing. I think he's going to be really, 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 really good. And I just think maybe Zion have better flashes and, and smaller spurts. But I just think long term, if you even it out, I think Shingun is going to be the more productive player. Yeah, and kind of following up on that, um, specifically talking about, you know, thinking about when you're drafting a player, thinking about the city that they're coming into. Um, kind of circling back around to the Rockets draft, um, before I, we get to, you know, specifically who the Rockets should take, 
who's like your top five? Because I mean, I, I saw your big board. I actually, you know, read through it, saw the video, and and saw you know maybe something a little bit different than mostly other people. But what's your top five right now as far as you know who you would take? You know, one through five. You know, regardless of who the teams are. Um. I mean, obviously, Wimbayama, yeah. Brandon Miller, Scoot. You got to love the Thompson Twins upside and Ken Whitmore. But I'm on record of saying that if I'm Houston yeah. and I'm bringing James Harden back, I am not taking one of the Thompson Twins. I'm going for yeah. Ken Whitmore. And to me, that just doesn't make sense to draft a primary ball handler, a guy that's best used as a primary ball handler that has major shooting issues if you're going to bring Harden back because I mean you're not bringing Harden back unless you're giving him the keys and allowing him to be James and so you need guys that compliment him and I don't think the Thompson twins compliment Harden and that kind of opens up some other questions but before I get to the James Harden part of it let me ask you about the Thompson twins and specifically Brandon Miller Scoot Henderson do you see a huge drop off between let's say Amin Thompson and Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller enough to where you would actually trade valuable assets to move up in the draft. Cause I, I think at this point, I mean, you, maybe you disagree, but I, I think at this point there's a good chance that Charlotte may still draft Scoot Henderson. Um, even if they don't, I don't know if he falls past three. Um, so yeah. do you think that there's enough, you know, a bigger difference between the actual skill set potentials to where you would actually give up assets. Let's say you have to give up a, Jabari Smith, or you would have to give an Alperin Shingon just to move up to get a Scoot Henderson. Would you do that? Do you think there's a big enough difference? I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade one of those guys. Um, but I do think that you know, there's Wimbayama's in his tier. Then I think Scoot and Miller in their tier, and then I think the Thompson twins are are below that, simply because it's just so unknown. I mean, they are in. And it's not a knock on overtime. I, I like what they've done at overtime. I yeah. I was there two weeks ago. I just had Damian Wilkins on my podcast, who's the GM of overtime. But it's still unknown, right? It's still a league where they were 20. They were physically more dominant than everybody else. The yeah. players that they were playing against were a little bit younger. And I just, I, I just feel like, as a general manager, you, you see the talent and all that, but we haven't seen them play in like pressured environments. We yeah. haven't seen them play in a hostile environment on the road or, or big games that are really important. And then we saw them both on the same team, which, yeah. you know, it. so I think that their learning curve is a little bit steeper than, than Scoot or, or Brandon Miller. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, you, you, I don't know how how much you're on Twitter lately because, like you said, you you've been pretty busy. Uh, it's, it's that time of year for you. But like I, I have noticed, and I'm sure Lashar could probably uh, probably back me up on this. But NBA like draft Twitter is kind of low on Brandon Miller. Like we hear all these reports yeah. that Brandon Miller is like in the top three. He's he's firmly in the top three. We hear that from like respectable guys who who you know I would think are in the know, like 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 Gavoni and, and you know guys like that. However, when I get on uh, draft Twitter, I see like people have Brandon Miller as like this guy who is I don't know. It, it's like like I, I kind of feel like he he's gotten pretty underrated. Um, 
what what are your thoughts on Brandon Miller? Do you what what do you see his upside as being? And why do you well, think people on Twitter are so like like blow on him? Well, believe me, I know. So in January, I tweeted that I would take Brandon Miller number two, depending on the team. I said, if I'm Detroit, this, this is at the time Detroit had the second worst record. I said, I wouldn't draft Scoot Henderson. And it went viral. And I mean, for 48 straight hours, draft Twitter just roasted me. They gave me all these analytical breakdowns of how terrible he is around the rim and how he had a bad game against North Carolina. But I was just like, just wait and see. Like, he's 6'9", can shoot. At that point, he was shooting like 43% from three on a good volume of attempts per game. And then I just feel like draft Twitter is follow the leader in a sense. Yeah. And since Scoop was anointed the guy, they just focused on Scoop. And then it turned into like, if you think Brandon Miller has a chance to be better than Scoot, like you had to pick a side. Either you were all the way pro school and you broke Brandon Miller down and the reason, one, I try to think outside the box, but one of the things I feel like is not being brought up enough is that if people paid attention to the G League, which I don't know, a lot of people don't, Scoot did not have a strong second half of the year. He literally took his foot off the gas. And I think like if Brandon Miller did that, if Brandon Miller shut it down, he would get crucified. If any NCAA prospect, was like, hey, I know I'm going top two or three. You know, we're not going anywhere. I'm not going to play. They will get crucified for it. Scoop literally shut it down. He took his foot off the gas. I know I tried to watch him play five times this year. I only saw him once in, like, the first five minutes of the second Wimbayama Showcase game. I live in Dallas. They had two games against the Legends. He didn't play. It was a late scratch. And then it was another game that I went to watch him play. And he just... I mean, on one hand, you, you you get it. Somebody may say, well, he didn't have much to play for. The Ignite weren't winning, and he's just protecting his draft stock. But I just don't think an NCAA player would have been able to get that same benefit of the doubt. So I said, I'll have to say this. I think that a lot of people, the last game they saw of Scoot was, you know, the big 30-point game against okay. Wimbayama. And they just, I mean, they're holding on to that. And... They liked him so much earlier. Then, you know, Brandon Miller does have, you know, that situation kind of hanging above his head. And then he was terrible. I mean, he was historically bad in the NCAA tournament. And so sometimes it's hard to unsee what you saw. But then again, people have been anti-Brandon Miller like yeah. all season. So I don't I don't know but, what but, it is. But wasn't like didn't Franz Watt, uh Wagner have like a really bad NCAA tournament, like his last game? Like there's a lot of guys who did not do great in their last K Cunningham. You know, there's a, I can go on, you know, I can name a lot of guys who, who did not, you know, perform well in their last uh, NCAA I can go tournament. To, I can go the opposite. I made the mistake years ago when Thomas Robinson had like 19 and 17 <laughs> in the championship game. And yeah. I was sold that Thomas Robinson is going to be a really good NBA player. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he outplayed Anthony Davis in that, yeah. at least statistically in that championship game. I so, can take you back even further. Do you remember that game um, uh, when Big Baby like outplayed LaMarcus Aldridge all those years ago? <laughs> like yeah. he, he thoroughly like outplayed LaMarcus Aldridge and, you know, their NBA careers are not even comparable. Or even his teammate, Tyrus Thomas skyrocketed. I think he was top five. <laughs> 
just because he played well. And I mean, he wasn't better than Big Baby in college. So, you know, but but no, I just think um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I was I got crucified. It was like 48 straight hours. I mean, they gave me all type of analytics and statistics and <laughs> comparisons. And I'm like, man, just watch the game. The guy, the guy can play. And He's six nine. He finished at like thirty eight percent from three. Can handle the ball. And I remember, like, prior to the season, I interviewed like different scouts and, and people, and we were just talking about about uh, prospects. And Brandon Miller was divisive. Like, there was one guy, and I got to give him credit. He had him as high as number two back in, I want to say October. But then there are other people that had him in the twenties. But the guy that had him at number two was like, "No oh, man, he's gonna have a big year." And I don't even know if I had him in my top seven coming into the season. But after watching him, I was like, "Okay, this this guy has what every NBA team wants, and he can complement any player. Like you don't yeah. have to build a system around him." So I'm really high on Brandon Miller. Do you think he's a bad fit for the Rockets, though, considering they have, like, you have Jabari Smith at the four. Is is uh, is that a good uh, forward tandem, or do you think that they would be better served, you know, like looking at a Cam Whitmore, for example, if it was between if it was between Cam Whitmore and Brandon Miller for the Houston Rockets, which which one would you go with? I'm going Brandon Miller. Like, I envision, like, I think Jabari's going to get better as a shooter. I think Brandon Miller's already a good shooter. So imagine like a Jalen Green, Shingoon pick and roll with with that type of spacing. Like pick your yeah. poison. Do you and then you give the ball to Shingoon in the middle of the floor and then you know he can find cutters. So yeah, and I think at that point, all you really need is a game manager at point guard. You just need someone that can just initiate the offense, knock down, open. I mean, like a Pat Beverly, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. a guy that'll defend, he can make some open shots. But I mean, obviously Jalen Green is going to have to like really develop as as a passer and playmaker. And I think in order for him to like really maximize all his crazy gifts and potential, that's the next step for him because the best scorers in the NBA are usually good passers and playmakers too. So if Jalen Green can develop that and then you got the shooting, around them I mean like I don't know how I mean defensively there may be some concerns a little bit but I mean that's because they're all really young but no I think that would be dynamite yeah because people have been trying to tell me that that team is not athletic enough and I'm like if you've been watching the NBA playoffs it's not about who can put the best five athletes on the floor at the same time you have to have a system uh, that all the guys have bought into you have to have guys who are high IQ high field players and, and that execute that system and you know like yeah, the Denver Nuggets had, you know, the best player in the in the in the world on their team. But like the the guy surrounding him, you know, outside of Aaron Gordon, I mean, who who is like a supreme like Amon Thompson level athlete on that team? You know what I mean? Like those guys just know how to play basketball. The Miami Heat, who is a like top tier athlete on that team? And and you know, we can go down the the, the list of all the playoff teams, but I I don't know. I think we get so absorbed with you know verticals and shuttle runs and stuff like that. And and at the end of the day, it's about playing defense and it's about putting that ball in the basket. So that's why I wanted to ask you specifically about Brandon Miller. So that was some good insight. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I, I've thought about it like a Amon Thompson, Jalen Green backcourt would probably be oh. the most athletic yeah. backcourt in like it's exciting. NBA, NBA yeah. history. <laughs> oh, man, that would be, yeah. And then even like Cam Whitmore, 
I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. In some drafts, he would be probably like the best athlete, but he just happens to be in a draft where you got the two Thompson twins there. But I, and I, I get the appeal for athleticism, but I mean, we just saw a guy win the championship and two-time MVP that can't jump over a curve. <laughs> so he yeah, makes up for it with, with the passing <laughs> and, and just the, the IQ. But I'm, and I'll go back to Shingun. I'm high on Shingun. And I, I tell people all the time, I lived in Turkey. So I have been watching him for, for years. And when I first saw him, he was playing at the under 18 tournament. And I thought, I thought he was good. I didn't think he was an NBA player, like because he was heavier at the time. Yeah. And he just looked like a traditional big, like an old school big. And then I don't know what happened between the year I saw him and the next year he transferred teams. And then he was like the best player in the Turkish league and the Turkish domestic league is a pretty, a pretty good league. He, went, he ended up winning MVP as a teenager. And then you just started to see like the, the passing, like the touches and, you know, the feel and all that around the rim was there. But then he, the way he's developed as a passer, I think he's going to be really, really good. I think Alperen Shingun is going to be an all-star center down the line. So so speaking on that, so if if do you believe that the Rockets, because it's been a lot of, especially last year when Silas was here, that they're not building a team around him and they should build a team around him and, and focus more on his offensive game and have other players kind of build around him. Do you believe the Rockets should do that, even with uh, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith? Do you think that Aper and Shangun should be the hub of the offense and everybody else should be focused around him? I've heard different players say it, and yeah. I think I think so. I think it's going to be a tough situation because he wasn't the guy that they had all the marketing yeah. campaign behind, and that can make things a little a little tough. But I think he had to – he really had to earn it. Like it wasn't given to him. Like he wasn't yeah. coming off, you know, I think it was coming off the bench his, his rookie year and so on. So I just think you'd have to get guys to buy into it. I think that would be the biggest issue of, of having, you know, young guys buy into like, Hey, this is our guy. We got to build around him. But I, I think so. And I think if there's nothing wrong with Jalen Green being Jamal Murray, there's, yeah. there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Jamal Murray's never made an all-star team. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. And and the reason I'm so high on Shingun is because one of the things that he did, which a lot of Europeans struggle with in a sense, is that they grew up playing in such a structured system, team first, and 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 I think that's like Ushman Garuba's issue. Like he knows how to play basketball, yeah. but he doesn't know how to hoop. Right, and when you're on a bad team, a young team with guys that are fighting for their second contracts and and so on, sometimes you just have to know how to how to just go get yours. Sometimes you try to make that extra pass, it's not you know you're not getting the ball back. So I think a guy like Garuba, he'll have more value either when the Rockets are better or when they move him to his second team where there's more structure. But Shingun, and I remember going to the Summer League games, you saw, like, at the beginning of Summer League, he was kind of, like, trying to play the right way. Then he realized, like, you know what? I got to get this rebound and push it up myself. <laughs> because yeah. so he now he's learning how to, like, hoop and all that. And now combining them with the fact that he's learning how to, I got to get my own sometimes. Sometimes I have to be selfish. And then with the passing and so on, 
and I think he's going to be good. I, you know, I, I've heard nothing but great things about about Ime as a coach and just the the way that he's going to clean things up. And so uh, I do think eventually you're going to see Shingun highlighted a lot more. And then maybe as if they start winning, then you can't help but but you know uh, feature him a lot more. And I wanted to ask you about that because you kind of brought up structure and something I think a lot of people kind of overlook when they're evaluating rookies. How much does that go into how well a rookie can actually play? Because we saw Jabari Smith last year and Jalen Green the year before that. Um, players that seemed to struggle at the beginning because there was no structure. I mean, the Rockets basically were just a team that just seemed that they were rebuilding. They didn't really have an offensive game plan. They were kind of just throwing the ball out there and hoping for the best. So how much does that factor into how people should be evaluating these rookies, the situation that they come into as far as the team structure, or if they even have a team structure? Yeah, I think it should be heavily evaluated. Uh, but also I just think like, and it's just my opinion, I think the Rockets did a disservice to those young guys by not having veterans around them or not yeah. having just – you know, someone to set the table and, and just, you know, basically help with their development long, long term. I think sometimes there can be some bad habits. Actually, look at Phoenix before Chris Paul got there. And it yeah. was, you know, a situation where it just it just wasn't a good situation with guys. Devin Booker was scoring 70 points and you just felt like they were ghost points. But then once Chris Paul came and then Monty Williams came it just changed everything. And and so I think that, you know, maybe Eme can have a Monty Williams type impact. And then I don't know if there's a Chris Paul, but maybe if it's hard, I don't know, but whatever it is, I think once you add some structure and a defined pecking order, I think Houston will be fine. Cause on paper, you can say that they're the most talented of the young teams in the yeah. league as far as talent, but structure, and I like Silas. I mean, Silas is a really nice guy. I just think that he was in a no-win situation because, I mean, he, he was just in a situation where they had a bunch of young guys, no veteran leaders, and and the young guys had the power. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And before I actually get into the, the free agency part of it, I want to ask you one more thing about the draft. The Rockets also have the number 20 pick. And speaking of Alperen Shangoon, uh, Big problem last year is they didn't have a, a legitimate backup center playing behind them. They had Frank Kaminsky, you mentioned Uzma Garuba, who struggled at times. And they they tried um, – Boban had his his minutes that they tried to play him. They really didn't have a legitimate backup center to actually help out Shangun. And I know that's something that Ime Dugo actually brought up during the press conference. They want to have somebody that kind of brings something a little bit different than Shangun maybe come off the bench. Is there anybody around the 20 range as far as big men that the Rockets could possibly target? Because I know – at this point, I think Derek Lively will probably be off the board. Uh, the, it seemed like he kind of rising up a little bit after his workouts. Is there anybody else that the Rockets could possibly target, or maybe they'd just be better off looking at the free agent um, free agent uh, market to bring in a big man to back up Shangun? Yeah, there's uh, James Naji from Barcelona. He's kind of like Jalen Duran in a sense, like, how are you 18 years old with a body like that? I mean, he's just built. He's <laughs> yeah. athletic. Um, he has the size, long wingspan. He could be an, an option, but from what I've been told, even though the Rockets are working out a bunch of players in that range, I've been told that it's unlikely that they bring in another young player on yeah. that roster. I've heard that they probably will try to trade that pick or make some trades and just 
kind of bring in like some veterans and 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 backup center being like something backup center and, and like a, a table setter point guard are are, are their highest priority. So yeah, James Najee, maybe Noah Clowney from Alabama, Brandon Miller's teammate, could be available. But just from my knowledge, they're probably looking to move the pick. And, and kind of following up on that, uh, do you think there's any chance that they try to move four and 20, or do you think they're pretty much set at four and they're going to take the best available player at four and the 20 pick is the one that they're pretty much guaranteed that they're going to move? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what would come available at four and 20. I mean, do they go all in and say, we're going to get James and then we straight four and 20 for, for Bill. And now we got a hardened Bill, but then you go, you wonder like, do they go hardened Bill, Green, yeah. Jabari, Shingun? So I don't, I can't imagine, even with Zion, I, I don't think it makes, it makes sense. So I, I imagine they're keeping four. Okay. And, and kind of speaking on Harden, um, before we get to the end of the show, what is your opinion on bringing in James Harden with the young guys that they already have, knowing that you're probably going to have to, to to get him to leave Philadelphia, you're probably going to have to give him the money that he wants, which at this point doesn't really seem like any team really wants to do that. Um, I don't know if it's really the money, it's more the years. Would you consider bringing in a Harden for three or four years at max money? Or if you're the Rockets and you're in a still – I mean, I know you're in phase two of the rebuild, but you're still a rebuilding team. Would you want to really tie up that much money in a player like a James Harden or Fred Van Vliet? Or would you try to go find somebody else like a maybe if a Mike Conley becomes available um, as far as via trade, would you rather go something that route instead of trying to bring in a, a free agent that's in his 30s and going to be making 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year for the next three or four years? Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be like what, four years, 200 yeah. million or something like that. That's a tough question for me because I am a James Harden apologist. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a big James Harden fan. I'm left-handed. Yeah. He's left-handed. I mean, I, I just, I've always been a Harden apologist, but then there are times where you just, some stuff in the playoffs, you just kind of scratch. I'm, I'm there with you, bro. I'm there with <laughs> so, you. There's a lot of people like that in Houston, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, this is how I look at it. On one hand, if you bring in James, then I think you help the growth of Jabari Smith. Yeah. You you give him that confidence. He's going to get his open looks. And, and yes, it's a lot of money, but I think you end up making sure Jabari is the guy that who, who you want him to be because James will find him. If there's one thing that James will do is get him open shots on the pick and pop. So I think that James would help Jabari's growth. But then you can say, does it stunt Jalen Green's growth? So that could be an issue. Um, but then you got all this money that you have to spend. And I think if you're going to spend $60 million or, or you got $60 million in cap space, I mean, I guess bringing in a known commodity helps that the community loves. So I'm, I'm actually kind of torn on it. I think it is a weird mix. But I'm not, if I were a betting man, I would bet that it does happen. And, uh, and I mean, they'll, they'll be better, but I think that the guy that will benefit the most is be Jabari Smith. Yeah, I think that's what the Rockets are trying to weigh right now. And, and you also have to factor in Tillman Fertitta is, is at the point now he's ready to start making some money from his investment. He hasn't really been making that much money the last few years with having the worst record in the league. So I think that's another thing yeah. that they'll factor in is 
one way or another, whether Rockets win or lose with James Harden, he's going to bring people into the stands. He's going to bring attention to the Rockets. Um, we know that for a fact because you said you're a James Harden apologist. There's a lot of those still in Houston. Even after everything that happened, there's a lot of people that still ride for James Harden. So uh, I think that they'll factor kind of all of that into their decision as far as bringing in a, a James Harden. But what, what about a Fred Van Vliet? I mean, do you see enough from him to where you would pay him max money at 30 years old uh, coming from Toronto? Yeah, I wouldn't give him max money. I mean, I, I do think that he would be an upgrade and he'd make the team better. Yeah. But is he the table setter that that, that you need? I mean, obviously he's he has he brings a championship pedigree and I mean he's a 20 point scorer. Um I don't I mean I Harden would be my first choice. I don't know if I would give that type of money to Van Vliet, but then again, like eventually you're going to have to spend the money. So yeah, uh, he would probably be my, he would be my, actually I probably would try to bring in Conley on, on short term. I think Conley probably has a, I know it's like a, a big salary, but he probably has a year left. I probably yeah. try to bring him in just as a, a veteran, a veteran leader and, and the guy that can just kind of balance the offense out. I think he would be great. And then Conley's a guy that, shoot, if I sign him, I would just keep extending him and then just let him yeah. do the the Udonis Haslam Haslam role because I think he is like the perfect veteran for, you know, for a young team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's at, at this point, I think that's what the Rockets need. Uh, before we wrap up the show, is there any sleepers in the draft or is there anything, you know, any surprises that you may be expecting that our player that people are not talking about that, oh man, he got drafted here and and nobody was really talking about him at the time? Yeah, there's there's quite a few guys that I think could, could fill that role. Um, I like Max Lewis from Pepperdine. I think he's one of the more gifted offensive players in this draft. And I had a chance to speak with him and watch him work out in Chicago while I was at the combine and it's just kind of been held against them. And I understand why, but Pepperdine was just bad. And so he wasn't on a good team and he's kind of been put in this box as a really talented offensive player, but is he a guy that put up bad or good numbers on a bad team or is he really just good? And he just didn't have the structure or, or the coaches to, hold him accountable so yeah. he's the one that I mean even though he does have like a first round grade that that I think could really outperform his draft position um Turquavion Smith I'm a big Turquavion Smith fan I, I do think that at this time last year he was like the flavor of the month in a sense and he was a high riser and he gambled to go back to school and even though his numbers are pretty identical his team got better but he just is not talked about as much this year. And so I think he would have been a first-round pick last year. So he's someone that could fall into the second round that um, I think could, could, provide, could provide value. I see him as like a Jordan Poole type, you know, like exciting offensive player to come off the bench. But I think he's a better playmaker than Jordan Poole. I think he's better in like pick and rolls. He's a little slim. I think he's like a buck 65. So, I mean, that could be an issue defensively. But he's someone that people just kind of have forgotten about, despite the fact that everything that he did as a freshman, he did it again as a sophomore. The numbers may not have improved, but NC State was like 
one of the worst teams last year. And then this year they went to the NCAA tournament. So um, if you factor in the, the winning part, then, then I think that, you know, he did get a little better. I'm glad LaShard yeah. asked you that because I had a, a few people, they had a few kids they wanted me to ask you about. Maxwell Lewis was actually one of the names I was given. Um, Sensabaugh, um, I think the the guy from Santa Clara, how do you pronounce his name? Pajemski. Yeah, 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 that guy. So uh, Sensabaugh, that that guy, and then uh, Gigi Jackson were the three. So I started, I started with Gigi. I know Gigi worked out for the Rockets, and he had a pretty good workout. Matter of fact, I, mean, I guess I can tell the information now because without, I think in Gigi's workout it was Gigi, Jet Howard, and Max Lewis, and there's one other player that was in that workout. I think the the fourth guy was was someone that's more like a a free agent target or two way candidate, but that was a pretty good workout. Gigi, in my opinion, is is like the biggest wild card in, in the draft because he reclassified up. So he was the number one player in his high school class by different publications, reclassified up, started the college basketball season at 17 years old, went to South Carolina, wasn't in the best system there. South Carolina's, you know, it's, it's, it's weird that the women's program is dominant and the men's program is, is really struggling. He goes there, shows flashes of how talented he is, but he was also on a bad team. The numbers weren't, weren't the best. And I've had a, a you know opportunity to spend time with him he did a lot of his pre-draft training in Dallas the kid is really really talented extremely talented but I think that he could end up falling because he's so young I mean he's a really really young kid he's a kid that's never left home went to college in his home city and so teams have to factor in that all right we're going to give an 18 year old a guaranteed contract with millions of dollars and he's never left home before so you have to have already have like the talent and then an extra level of maturity. You know what I mean? Like to be eight. Think about it. when you were 18, like, can, can oh, you imagine 18? With, a millionaire, me at 18? Oh, man. <laughs> no, man. I, Stuff I no, would get into. I, I don't even want to imagine. I, I thought I was like doing something with the, the little money I was making from Office Depot. So I actually had a team talk about that. Not necessarily with Gigi, but just with young guys. They're like, some of these guys we're worried about, are they mature enough to like, make flights? Like, yeah. are they going to come on time? And then they're like, they're making so much money, even on a rookie deal. When you find them, what is a thousand dollar fine to them? They can just pay the fines. And so they may not even really understand like how to be a professional until they are dealt with some major adversity like getting cut or something like that but if the guy is really talented you're not going to cut him <laughs> so uh, um, but with Gigi I just think like teams are a little bit concerned about just maturity because he did have some moments this year where he was just being a kid like there was a, a Instagram live video where I guess people were asking him questions and he was honest like yeah man they're not giving me the ball they're not running plays for me <laughs> And, and that type of stuff. But nobody denies the talent. I just wonder, like, where he could end up because there are some real concerns that he's just – and it, it's not that he's a bad kid. He just, as as one person told me, just hasn't had a lot of real-life experiences, not like hardships where he had to actually grow up fast, like some of our kids have to grow up fast because, yeah. you know, just maybe their environment. He hasn't had to do that at all. So that's the biggest concern. But talent-wise – you know, I think if, if like, let's say Houston does keep the pick at number 20 and they draft him, 
I would send him to RGV for a year, let him develop. And then it's almost like you got the number one pick or, or top five pick at the minimum mm. in 2024, but you had a year to develop him in your system, allow him to grow up, you know, those, those bus rides. And, you know, I, I start off in the G league. Cause I remember when we used to, I worked for the Texas legend. We used to play RGV. Like it felt like three <laughs> times a week. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I, I, if I'm Houston at 20 and they keep the pick, I would take a flyer because the talent is, is definitely there. And then Bryce, Bryce is a very gifted offensive player too. And he's had the quietest pre-draft process. I haven't heard anything about him. Like you haven't heard he's working out for teams. You haven't heard he's done well. Yeah. You just haven't heard anything at all. He shot over 40% from three. Really gifted score. The problem is he's just considered like a really bad defender. Mm-hmm. And I, I've talked to some teams, and and one team was like, every team wants wings that can score. But the problem right. is, if a guy is a gifted offensive player, then he's probably a bad defender. And then they're like, if he's a good defender, do we have two to three years for him to develop into a reliable shooter? Because even like the the team at the top of the lottery, there is some type of pressure to like really improve or win now, or the GMs or coaches are going to lose their job. So, um, so teams have just kind of been struggling, like with the wings, like there's a bunch of wings, but they're either really good at one thing or they bad at another thing. So do we have time to turn a, a good defender into a shooter or a good shooter into a serviceable defender? Yeah, and I want to ask you one more question before we wrap up the show. If you had to bet a million dollars from what you're hearing, you know, you being out there, who do you think the Rockets drafted number four? Uh, from what I've been hearing, they really like the Thompson twins. <laughs> I don't, I yeah. don't know which one because I've heard some <laughs> say that even though Amin is like the guy that's considered the better of the two, his twin yeah. brother is the one that won MVP of OTE two years in a row. He's considered the better shooter. And their passing, I mean, if you look at just their numbers, it's like one average, like 6.2 assists, one average 6.1. So, but if I were betting, man, I, I would say they're going to go with Amon Thompson. Gotcha. All right. So you're do, do you there. Any, do you think there's any, <laughs> like, conceivable way that Amon goes three? No. Okay. No. So the three, the top three is pretty much set, you think? Yeah, I think it's set. And even if it's the team that – I think even if Portland doesn't have a need for Scoot, I think they can package him for, yeah. you know, a veteran. You know, t- like – and I'm just throwing it out here. If Washington really wants to do a rebuild and they feel like, hey, Scoot is, you know, the the future of the franchise, the guy that we can rebuild around, then is there some type of deal for number three and Bill or – you know, maybe like if Toronto decides to tear it down, then Portland could definitely use one of the, one of their wings or some type of deal there. Yeah. So I think the top three are set. I just don't know if the teams that draft them are where they're going to end up playing. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess we will definitely find out next week, uh, Thursday, June twenty second. We will be out there for the uh, press conference. The Rockets usually hold after the uh, draft, so we will definitely be bringing you all that. Wrap uh, before we uh, wrap it up. Do you have any upcoming projects? What you got uh, going on for the draft? Because I know that, of course, that's a you know almost like the Super Bowl uh, yeah. for for you. So, uh, do you have anything coming up, or 
uh, again, let everybody know where they can find all your content. All right. Yeah, I'll be in New York. Um, so I'm just I'm gambling as as an independent journalist going up there. <laughs> just yeah. got approved for a credential. I mean, luckily, I had bought my ticket. So luckily, I did get approved. So I was just going to be at <laughs> yeah. the Barclays chilling. Um, but, um, but no, I have some, uh, I'll do some podcast stuff. I do, uh, you know, some live content from from uh, from the draft. And then I have a podcast five days a week. And then I have my newsletter, nbabigboard.com. And then uh, I have uh, my final, like, big board and, and just draft rumors and stuff coming out this upcoming week. All right, Rafael, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. I know this is a busy time of year. I know you got to run here pretty soon. So we appreciate you coming on Rocket Fuel Podcast, man. A lot of great, a lot of great knowledge, a lot of great talk. And definitely thank you for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, anytime you want me on, let me know. Definitely would like to get on and talk about the G League because, I, you know, it's not Absolutely. a lot of people that cover the G League. <laughs> you know, I started with the Legends. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we can talk about the G League also. Or at least, you know, like two-way guys or whatever. So I'm definitely down for that. Absolutely. When you brought up Texas Legend, I was like, oh, yeah. The Vipers played them all the time. It seemed like they were playing them every other day. So, every, yeah, we yeah, played man. the Toros and the Vipers. <laughs> yeah. And at the time, it was the Tulsa 66ers. It was like, and I guess yeah. the money wasn't there, so everything had to be regional. It was like you just got tired of seeing the same guys over and over. <laughs> and, over and I know that's a trip. So I know that's a, that's a, that's a drive out there. So, yeah, we can absolutely do that, man. Again, appreciate you coming on. Yep. All right, anytime, let me know. Absolutely. And, and Vader, as usual, man, appreciate you. All right, man. It was it was fun. Hey, great, great guest, man. You you answered a lot of like really great questions. And uh, we, we definitely appreciate you. It, it, it was it was awesome. Yeah. Like I said, anytime we can make it happen. Absolutely. That's going to do it for today's show. As usual, we appreciate everybody that jumps on every week. Uh, like I said, we will definitely be out at the uh, Rockets press conference that they'll be having. Uh, probably draft night if it's the day after, whenever it's going to be. We're going to be there giving you the coverage for that. So we appreciate everybody that jumps on every week that supports the, the audio side of it. It supports us on YouTube. Subscribe to our new channel. So we appreciate it. So make sure you check out the next episode of Rockets Field Podcast. We'll definitely be dropping next week after the draft. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.